Hey everybody and welcome back to Nerd to the Third. Today is, of course, movies. We're going to be talking about our movies of the year. So we're going to be doing it similar to the game of the year. So if you watch and or listen to our game of the year, we have different categories. We're going to give our nominations and then we're going to have a discussion about what we think um, should win. So I am your host, Nick. Today here with me is... Haphazardly, Nate. <laughs> Um, man, how, how's your day going? Well, it would be better if my wife didn't get me f***ing sick. How dare you, wife? I'm about to, I'm about to put this bitch in a bubble, I swear to God. Because she, <laughs> she, just, she just got over a stomach bug like a week ago and then got bronchitis a week after. Yeah. Oh, crazy. Oh, that poor thing. I swear. So, we're gonna get directly, um into this <laughs> took you took you a second there i was trying to like you know <coughs> all right so our different categories action drama comedy animated slash family best sci-fi slash fantasy and um best actor or actress and then the last one is the most disappointing so starting off we're gonna have the best action movie of the year and the nominees are avengers upgrade ready player one and honorable mention to mission impossible six or it's six isn't it I yeah don't know. it's six anyways it's an honorable mention because me and you haven't seen it so we would love to give it because i personally i have not heard a bad thing about it you no and that's the thing with mission impossible movies especially after two They've only kind of gotten better and better and better. Yeah, <laughs> especially because yeah, it's like the it's like the reverse Fast and Furious. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah, because I think it's uh, speaking of. I think it's like is it is it a well stated fact that five that Fast Five is the best in the series? Because I'm pretty sure that's the case. Yeah, pretty much. But so like, and so go ahead. I think the reason that is going back to Mission Impossible is because partly the director and partly. Tom Cruise doubling down on the fact of, hey, let's continue to push the envelope and just do crazy stuff. I mean, you go from Mission Impossible 3, which was a really great – it actually was a really great drama. Um, Mm -hmm. Oh, God, what is his name? He passed away. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Fantastic villain. Oh, my God. And then 4 is, I think, where we start with the modern Mission Impossible because that's where you have the big Dubai climb. Like the real-life Tom Cruise is scaling Mm -hmm. the – whatever it's called. I don't remember the building, but the tallest building in Dubai actually scaling it. And then you go to five, which five was a little questionable. I liked it, but it it definitely wasn't my favorite. Um, and I don't remember. It wasn't five. Which one was five again? (coughs) Five was, um, four was ghost protocol. Rogue nation, right? Rogue nation. Oh yeah. Rogue nation. I, I could, I could agree with it. Um, because that's the first time the one girl game in is. Yeah, it? there's there's there wasn't really anything spectacular about it. Yeah, it was still good, but I guess like I guess at this late in the game it's like being good isn't as good when you just expect so much out of it. Well, the best thing you that, know? the best thing that I'll say <laughs> is I ha- I'll have to go back and watch it cuz when I watched it was when it came out and I was at a convention. Mm-hmm. Um I was at RTX in Austin. Um and a bunch of us who had been walking the show floor all day went to go see that at the Alamo, like at fucking 11 o'clock. 
So all of us were very, very tired. <laughs> but the sound design in Mission Impossible as well as the speakers in um, the Alamo made for a great combination. So we'd be dozing off, and any time a gunshot went off, it was so pinpoint and precise that it woke us up. So they were shooting. We'd be like, "What? What? What's what's going on? What's going on? What's going on?" <laughs> <coughs> but that's kind of funny. Uh, so, anyways, yeah, it's definitely an honorable mention because um, another reason or another thing about all the Mission Impossibles is I feel like it is it is the um, I don't want to say milestone. What am I trying to say? It is the threshold of what makes a good not only just action movie, but what makes a good espionage movie. Yeah. And that used to be for years, obviously that used to be 007, but ever since like quantum of solace, like I feel like they've just all been kind of there, you know, and a lot of people like skyfall, but in my opinion, it was just like, it had a really good villain, but then a lot of everything else was just kind of, you know, okay. And so I feel like, um, Mission Impossible kind of took the crown as far as like best action and best espionage. And so being able to do that over and over again. And now this time around, like I said, haven't heard anything bad about it. Not only have I not heard anything bad about it, but has also heard that it's like one of the best action movies of all time. So we can't talk about best action movie of the year and not at least say, oh yeah, by the way, we know this exists. We just haven't personally seen it. I remember the trailer had... I'm getting goosebumps right now thinking about the trailer. Ooh. The trailer for Mission Impossible 6 with the friction song from Imagine Dragons was mm-hmm. so good. And then that... Okay, so here's the thing. I love Henry Cavill. Mm-hmm. <coughs> love Man of Steel. Great Superman. Yeah. When they're in the bathroom and it, it the music winds up and he does that thing where he like goes like that where he's about to... I was like, dude, get f***ed. Like someone is about <laughs> to get wrecked. I was so hyped. Uh, but the, yeah. the problem was my wife hates Tom Cruise. So trying to get her to go see Mission Impossible and movie Cruise. is very, very difficult. I also want to. I also want to preface. You, you may be already, but I'll, I'll beat you to it. Before someone's like, oh, "How come you're not talking about this? This is in the movie. These are the movies that we've seen, and the ones that we can talk about yes. the most apt." So before someone yes. goes to be like, "Oh, you can't do it," shut up. Yeah, before before you're like, "Oh, why didn't you include X Y Z?" That is little. These are our our movies of the year, just like our game of the years were the our game of the year. You know, we can't comment on something we haven't seen and or played. So good point. Okay, so the nominees, Avengers Upgrade and Ready Player One, which a lot of people are probably going to be like, oh, Ready Player One shouldn't even be on there. It was such a big disappointment. It's like, yeah, maybe for you. But for me personally, I I really thoroughly enjoyed Ready Player One. So Ready Player One is one, I'll say, is one I've yet to see. But the reason for that is, I think the advertising and marketing for this movie hindered it, at least for me. Hmm, Every time I went to see a movie, every time I turned on my TV, I saw a commercial or a trailer for Ready Player One, the same trailer or same commercial over and over again. I can see how that affects you, yeah. It just made me just, both my wife and I, we were like, we just don't really want to see this movie. We feel like we're seeing it all in the trailer. I still want to, but my interest for it, like especially after it came out, even when it came out on Blu-ray, I'm just like, I'll get around to it at some point. Yeah. For me, I mean, I I really enjoy it and I feel like it's probably 
really poignant right now because of like things like EA having the loot box controversy and just all the gaming controversies that we've had. It's really poignant because like one of the main or not one of the, but the main crux of the entire uh, movie is basically there's this big business guy uh, who has taken over the game and he basically wants to cover 80% of a person's screen with ads. And so the entire um, thing is that, oh, you find these three Easter eggs and you become the owner of the game of the game. And so IOI is the company. And so they basically hire millions of, or maybe not millions, but like thousands of people to go and do these Easter eggs because they want control of everything so that they can cover up 80% of everybody's things. And in today's microtransactions, loot box controversy, like it just, it actually fits so well, you know, and it's, uh, for the most part, it's kind of timeless because it's like, you know, this is a multi-trillion dollar industry because like literally everybody in their in their dog pretty much play this VR game. And so it was I for me, it was just a really good action movie and the fantasy behind it or the sci fi behind it was also really good. So you you said it better than I would. <laughs> well, yeah, because you can seen it. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> So then uh, Upgrade and Avengers down to those two. (sighs) Okay, so I I feel like just because because of what it is, it would be weird if Avengers wasn't the top for action. Yeah. So my question for you, what makes Upgrade a better movie than Avengers Infinity War? Um, (coughs) Well, I will be... The devils, devils, I'll be the devil's advocate right now because I would obviously choose Avengers. So let me let me pretend that I'm going to argue for Upgrade. Um, upgrade, the reason why it would be uh, better than Avengers, number one, it's not a big media conglomerate. So it's not just the big guy. It is the... Um, it is the... Uh, you know, the underdog, so to speak. In so many ways, it does really interesting things. Uh, The most interesting thing it does is, like, the way it works its camera. You know how, like, you know how, like, Guy Ritchie would do, like, zoom-ins in a really cool way? It's something like that. Um, I guess the what it's called is, like, the Steadicam. Mm -hmm. So it does something like that. Because the the whole premise basically is he's paralyzed because of something that happens. I won't give it away. And so he gets a chip put in him. And so the chip allows him to walk. um, And then because he wants revenge, he lets the chip take over. And it helps him. It turns him into like a ninja. Basically, he can do all these like really cool things. That's the premise of it. That's obviously what's in the trailer. But what's so cool about it is all the fight scenes where the chip takes over the way they move the camera is really cool and very like artistic in the way that you know it's it's showing by the visual 
you know, style that he doesn't control it. It's instead controlling him. And so like the way the camera moves around is really, really cool. And so it takes this typical, typical, I will admit that typical, um, like revenge thing because, you know, his wife dies. And so he's on a revenge path or whatever. It takes this typical story and just adds this really cool twist to it. Because now he's like, now it's in a sci-fi or something. And so it's just the way they do it. And the fact that it's this underdog, like I would almost vote for it for that reason. Because it just does it in such an interesting way. So, ha- okay. Have you seen any Star Trek? Or the or f- the first of the any. of the uh, JJ trilogy? I've seen all of the <laughs> JJ trilogy. And... Um, the older ones with like, you know, um, wow. Why did I just blank, um, on his name? Oh God. Oh God. I, I was like, why I know did what it Kirk, is. Kirk, I'll yeah, just say Kirk yeah. because for some reason I am blanking. William Shatner. I hate when this, thank you. Jeez. Yeah. Just like, as soon as the mic goes on, it's just my brain apparently goes off sometimes. And I'm just like, I, I get these, I get these moments anyways. Well, so, so yeah, William Shatner. Uh, of his, I have only seen some of them and only parts of them because, like, my dad watched them. But I mm-hmm. definitely watched, like, the last um, William Shatner one and not A Next Generation where they cross over, but, like, the last one or so Voyage Home or yeah, something. Yeah. I don't know. So <clears throat> I've seen almost pretty much all of them. So, so, just not the William Shatner ones. So the reason why I ask is do you remember the science or the theory? behind why they could space travel because they bring it up they bring it up no because i'm not a nerd well so they bring it up in particular (laughs) like very specifically in the first star trek the reboot movie okay uh, when he's talking to scotty and he's telling him he's like no you figured this out you gotta you got to realize that everything you're not moving fast everything around you is moving isn't that futurama no 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 futurama it's a star trek thing Oh, okay. Yeah, but Futurama, like, you know, parried it on it. But what I'm getting at is, would you say that that is a proper analogy for the camera work in that movie? The fact that the actor isn't moving, everything around him is, instead of the camera being the this, this standing object and the actor. Oh, yes, yes. I'd I'd say, yeah, it's similar. Because that's the vibe I got. That. Yeah, just from the trailer, yes. And and it's <laughs> it's just... All the action scene, because obviously you see the one where he goes and he like you know tears the guy's head off, yeah, Jesus. with the knife. Yeah, if you've seen the Red Band trailer, oh yeah, but that's not the only action scene. Obviously, right? There are multiple ones, and just the choreography, choreography that happens, and the you know discount Tom Hardy, the way he reacts to everything is just really cool. He is the discount Tom Hardy. <laughs> he, he was also in Homecoming too. Cause it took me a second. I was like, is Tom Hardy in this movie? And I was like, Oh no, that's not, that's not Tom Hardy. <laughs> That'd be a weird crossover. Since he <laughs> right? ended up yes, being Venom. Venom yeah. <laughs> oh Jesus. Oh my God. Yeah. So anyways, but yeah. And, and so then going on the discount Tom Hardy guy, like he's actually like really good in this as well. As far as like, I believed his struggle, especially, Oh my God, there's this one scene where he's paralyzed and he just starts crying. Because it's like his wife is dead, he can't move, he's shitting in a fucking bag, and so like he just breaks down and starts crying. It's like I 
felt it, you know, and just from an actor's perspective or from an acting standpoint, like I felt it, I felt his pain and I felt, you know, just, I just felt it, you know, and that's definitely something to be pointed out. I guess Logan Marshall Green is definitely an up and coming. Like he does look a lot. He is discount Tom Hardy, but he's actually <laughs> like really like he was in that movie, the invitation that came out a few years ago, that kind of thriller one. He was the dude with thriller. the, uh, long, long hair. He's also in Prometheus, but everything I've seen him in has been like, oh, this guy's got talent. You know, it's not Tom Hardy yeah. talent because Tom Hardy's got so raw and natural talent. But he's definitely an up. Yeah, but he was also in Venom, so you, you can't, you can't <laughs> just take. You gotta one. break a couple of eggs. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the fire rises. That's a conversation for another time. Which one's better? Well, no, that's not a conversation. Dark Rise Rises is way better than Venom. <laughs> All right. And then obviously we got the Avengers, which I, I mean, we I can feel probably like, both. I feel like we really don't even need to talk about it. Avengers is, right? is one of the, if not the biggest movie that has come out in the last 10 years. It may be right. the biggest movie ever made. Well, I According to what it is, according to what it is, and what it is is, like, Titanic might be big money-wise, which obviously Avengers is arguably just as big money-wise, but Titanic is just a one-off. The fact that this was nine years in the making, and, like, 17 movies or 16? I think it's... 16 or 17 movies, and they all are building towards this one thing. And the one thing to point out that, you know, everybody and their mom points out is just how good all the stories ended up feeling. I mean, even in um, Age of Ultron and the original Avengers, there were certain storylines that just like, okay, they gave this person screen time because they felt they needed to. That was not the case in this one. Nobody felt just shoved in. Nobody felt like they didn't have some type of purpose. Nobody might have, or some people might not have had like a story arc, obviously, but the entire story and the entire story arc just made sense. Like when Black Panther got put back into the mix, it didn't feel rushed. It didn't feel, you know, it didn't feel like out of place or anything. It's just like, Oh, this is where it naturally would have happened. And I feel like that to have, you know, 100 and some odd God amount of characters. And they all felt like they naturally were put in here. Not just like, Oh yeah. Rocket raccoon. He's, he's a character. So he needs to be in this movie. No, everything felt so well put together. And to do that, is absolutely no small feat. It's not us. It's just so well. Oh my god! I mean, that's what made it the best ever. You know, right? And and the fact that they're still diving in deep. I mean, you, you know, we kind of heard all the rumors about what Avengers Four might look like, but mm-hmm. after watching Ant Man and the Wasp, which it, it's it, it's funny because Infinity War was this, Ant Man and the Wasp was like this. I mean, it was, you know, it was okay. But where yeah. they go in the end of it is like, oh, okay, no, that actually is probably what happens. Like the like the almost confirmation of it, you know, and the con- connection of everything. The thing with Avengers Infinity War to me is one of the things that I thought was great about it was, um, you know, kind of funny. Leading up to like the beginning of the year, leading up to Infinity War, they decided as a group and for their fans they were going to do a 
they called it the MCU in review and right. watched a Marvel movie a week, reviewed it leading up to Infinity War. And so mm-hmm. if you were a part of that, like I was, that was also a cool thing of you're a part of this conversation with a bunch of different people of, hey, where do you rank this one? Where do you rank that one? And so like that that gave me a lot of interactivity with the movie. When I saw Infinity War like first in the theaters, I was blown away. I saw it yes. again though with my cousin I like maybe two weeks after and I kind of was like, I shouldn't have done that. I should have waited a little bit longer to see it again. Cause it was just still so fresh, but seeing it again yeah. made me feel overwhelmed. You know, infinity war is one of those that maybe not now, maybe eventually as of right now, it's one of those. I can't sit down and watch over and over again. Like I can civil war or uh winter soldier, mm-hmm. but I still love it. And I definitely think it deserves to be, and which is why I'm going to say it's going to be the, our action movie of the year, just because it's, it's unprecedented how much buildup was, you know, like you just, I, I want to see a doc. I want to see a documentary so bad about the development team and Feige's oh, team. God, right. I want to see how far they actually planned out. Right. Cause there were definitely some things like Iron Man three is obviously a big thorn in the side. It's like, oh, I quit. No, never mind. I didn't quit. Like that. There was, uh, and not just that, but there are definitely. But you know, we're talking about the buildup, but obviously the payoff is also like the biggest thing. Cause there's so many people out there that's like, you know, oh, like this Marvel movie just didn't feel like it had a, you know, third act. And pause. What's up, baby? Okay, I'm doing something, so you need to go, okay? Okay, you go watch your show, and we'll paint when I'm done, okay? Okay. Okay, go, sweetie. Um, what was the last thing I said? Um, third act. Oh, and then here we have this, and this feels like the natural third act to an entire 17-movie run. And the fact that it just it started and did not stop until the very end is also and I mean, it'd be one thing if it was just like event, 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 which is all, what a lot of people say about like Zack Snyder movies is that it's just yeah. one event after another. Here's a scene rather than, you know, I can't remember or a moment rather than scenes, whereas every scene just played out so good. And ah, I just yeah, it's so obvious. So let's just move on because it's already been like 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> so action movie of the year, obviously Avengers. Next category is going to be drama. Our nominees are A Quiet Place, A Star is Born, and The Ballad of Buster Shrugs. Scruggs. Buster Shrugs. Buster Scruggs. <laughs> That's hard. That's hard. So I have not seen A Star is Born, so you need to uh, talk about why that's on their list. A Star is Born <laughs> me up. Like, be on belief. But, in like, I'm sorry, everybody. I'm going to bring you down for a minute. It f***ed me up um, for a like more personal reason. So the movie itself was sad. My mother-in-law saw the original, so she kind of knew what was going to happen in the story. My wife and I didn't. Um, the thing that got me the most is there are things in A Star Is Born between some of the characters that are very are kind of real to my to my real life. Like it's it's some situations that I lived that. Um, 
kind of make when when I when I interact with things like that or, or you know re-experience experience I've had before, it kind of makes me shut down, and mm-hmm. it, it makes me not really want to experience. Yeah, I I experienced the movie, but A Star Is Born it, it was so good. Um, but I, I, I look at it two different ways. It was so good, but it also hurt me a lot. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's one of those that <sighs> Lady Gaga, outstanding performance. I've loved Lady Gaga, like her, per, the person she is since she came out. Like, of course I saw, you know, the personality that she had all the like weird outfits and shit. Um, but if anyone who's seen this, go watch her, um, documentary on Netflix, five foot two. Yeah. There's parallels in it that make you really appreciate the artist that she is. But what was cool about A Star is Born is you can very much see that this possibly is a could, could have been a story about how Lady Gaga got famous because there are a lot yeah. of parallels that are very similar to it. But, you know, when I hear Shallow on the radio, which is the song from the trailer, it like gives me chills. Like it makes me emotional because yeah. it was just like it was such an experience that – you know, the fact that Bradley Cooper directed this, the fact that, mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, both of them, they, you know, they sang in this. And then the best part about it is anytime Lady Gaga was either on stage or just singing, you knew she was singing. A parallel right. to that would be Bohemian Rhapsody. Remy Malik obviously wasn't singing. The the voices the the oh it wasn't I didn't I didn't no the voice know that. the voice that came out of it the voice that was coming out of his mouth he may have had some parts but the very specific ones were a a um like a concentrated mix of Freddie's actual voice and there is a guy his name's Mark Mark okay. Mark Martell who's Canadian who looks and sounds very similar to Freddie Mercury so. Rami's voice playing Freddie Mercury was a mix of those. Whereas Lady Gaga, she would just sing in the parking lot and you knew she was belting it. And it was like, there was no filter on this. And it's, it's phenomenal. It's, it really is. It's one of those gut punch movies for sure. Okay. Okay. Um, (laughs) so then, uh, quiet place and, uh, ballad of Buster Scruggs. Um, I feel like those are the main contenders other than like, a Star is Born, like, just from what I've heard about it, obviously, like, but those are, those are the big ones as far as, like, what we've both seen and what we can both talk on. Um, there's what one, would be... Go ahead. There's one that I want to give an honorable mention to. Okay. Um, and it's I think it's Boy Erased. It's the Russell Crowe one. Oh, um, okay. I want to give an honorable mention because I'm not going to see it. That movie is going to completely tear me apart. <laughs> but it looks like which a, one's that remind me because i know it but it's like you gotta remind me it's the one where russell crowe is like very fat that i've never seen him that that size before but he okay. he is a very religious um like priest or pastor and okay. his son comes out to be gay and they send oh, okay. him to that gay rehab place <gasps> that's right okay yeah see i remember like i it sounded so familiar but it's like i it's just enough off my radar because like I'll be honest like I don't know I don't normally like dramas just because like like I don't like being depressed I am depressed enough in my life that I don't like being depressed when I go see a movie because you know obviously movies are meant as escapisms 
So normally on a normal weekend, like I, I look at something, I'm like, oh, I've heard so many good things about this. Two hours. I don't feel like crying for two hours. So nah, never mind. Yeah. Yeah. But that, <laughs> so, that definitely looked like one that, that would be a contender for best drama. But I'm, I'm just not going to see it because it's going to, I'm just, it's going to tear me apart. Yeah. Right. Um, so then, yeah. <laughs> uh, Quiet Place and Ballad of Buster Scruggs. What would be your vote? Uh, and why? <laughs> between those two? Yeah. Buster Scruggs. Yeah. Okay. A quiet play. And why? A quiet play. Uh, okay. I'll, I'll tell you. Okay. Let me. I'll tell you. Let, you tell me. Okay. So, a quiet place was good. It was really, really good, and it. But at the same time, it felt like a passion project. Okay. It okay. didn't really feel like. And those deserve to make it on here, apparently. They do, but you know, I, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to say that it wasn't a bad movie because it was a really, really good movie, but it just felt kind of hollow a little bit. Like it was a great, like the way I look at it is it was a great, like first time. I can't wait to see what you do a second time. Okay. And, and the comparison I would give would be between that and get out, get out. Didn't need to be, Oh, that was a great first time. That was like, no, that was a phenomenal first time like that. I want to see what you do next. Whereas a quiet place. I was like, that was good. I bet the second thing would be better. Mm, okay. um, but I, I, I appreciate the artistic kind of like how you said about upgrade I appreciate the artisticness of A Quiet Place the fact that they play around with the daughter being deaf so when they yes. have her the cameras you know giving her point of view you don't hear anything and mm-hmm. any any kind of film trick like that I very much appreciate now the Ballad of Buster Scruggs is a surprise of the year for me sir because oh, okay. you were like you gotta watch this movie you gotta watch this movie Yep. I specifically gave you and coach homework, basically saying that like, we can't talk about movie of the year without you guys at least seeing this and seeing what I mean. (laughs) Yeah. So I think it was that night that when you, when you sent that, so that night it was about, I think it was a Monday because I had the day off next day. Um, it was like nine o'clock and I started it. And I got through the first two stories. So if you don't know what the Battle of Buster Scruggs is, it's basically an anthology movie, mm-hmm. kind of like Black Mirror. So, you know, you have a bunch of different stories that, that are told. I watched the first two. The first two, or the first one is the one that is the most fantastical and in all quiet honesty was not my favorite. Um, it was entertaining, but mm-hmm. I, I do think you're right what you said before about how it definitely paints the rest of the movie in a different light. Like it hasn't, it, it, it's just, it is very strange. The second one with James Franco, I think is the shortest one. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely the shortest, I think. And it like the pan guy. Other than the very last one, the, I think. The pan guy was funny. Okay. Pan shot. Pan shot, pan shot. But, um, <laughs> and he, did you recognize who that was? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it took me a Excuse second. Excuse me. You have my steepler. <laughs> Yeah, so that was great, um, but just the whole. Th- Honestly, my favorite thing out of that is the meme that has come about. Have you seen this meme? No, I have not. Where it's oh yeah, the, the first thing. time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's my favorite thing that's come out of that. Um, so I watched the first two that night, and I was like, okay, that was interesting, and I stopped. I went to sleep. Next morning, the next one that was queued up was the Liam Neeson story, and so I'm watching it, and I'm like, okay, this is interesting. And the end of it happens. I'm like, oh, God. Okay. <laughs> well, what's next? And then the next one was the gold one. And I'm like, this is good. And I went to yeah. go get breakfast. And I left the house to go get breakfast. And I called my dad. 
and I was like, hey, you need to watch this movie. I was like, mm-hmm. and growing up, I never watched Westerns, but the film enthusiast that I am, I feel like mm-hmm. I would really love Westerns. Something about this movie, I could not stop watching. Mm-hmm. It mm-hmm. was one of those that there wasn't anything in particular that was like, that I could pick out. It's just, I couldn't look away. And easily my favorite one is the, um, what is Mr. Frank going to tell Billy Knapp? I think is what it was. The one with the Thank Oregon you. Trail. <laughs> That's a long title. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's well, one thing I really like about it is when they transition from story to story, it's someone actually opening up like a book. Like flipping the pages. Yeah, and then yeah. you see like the I do like ar- that artistic too. drawing. But when I started that one, I was like, what's this one going to be about? Mm-hmm. And then it completely like, it. that one meant so much to me. That one was such a good story. Like, it, it's just the way it was paced. And then, you know, it, it was... I feel like that that scene should be taught in a film class of like how to pace, how to set a scene one hundred and one. Mm-hmm. It was just very very good. So, out of those two, for sure, it's got to be Buster Scruggs because it's the most surprising. And again, we're gonna circle back to it. It's Netflix. It's a Coen Brothers movie distributed yep. by Netflix. So, Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Um, well, I'll start with A Quiet Place because I feel like that's the one that's not gonna win. Obviously. <laughs> Um, a quiet place what what is just so good about them and i have to disagree as far as like you thought it was a good first time i thought it was good in general you know i feel like what makes it better is the fact that it was his first time uh comparable to get out which was his first time um which funnily enough both of those people are known for their comedic you know um acting and so now them doing such serious roles really like makes it even bigger surprise in my eyes but not only that but just the the acting all around i thought was just so good and it was really the world that they created the world of Here's this, you know, family who's isolated. And so it made sense, you know, because they had the deaf daughter, it made sense how they were able to survive because they kind of already were pre, um, predetermined to, uh, pre-adjusted. Yeah, there you go. Um, pre-adjusted to this life of, you know, sign language and stuff like that. So it made sense that, you know, they were able to survive as long as they can because, you know, they already kind of knew how to not talk, if that makes sense. Um, but then not only that, because they were so isolated on their own, um, on their own, like, little, you know, part of the woods, so to speak, they were kind of already... Neck of the woods. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, but yeah, since they were already doing and doing their own thing out there anyways, it made sense that they could survive. And one thing that a lot of people try to, uh, you know, um, put down about the movie is the whole sand. And there's several shots, um, like overhead shots and like things in the background where you can see a giant pile of sand. So it was like something that they just already had laying around that they then used, you know, for their own good, basically. Is that an issue? With that? Is that is that a problem people? That's have? a huge, huge thing that like not just cinema sins, but people in general like. Oh, how did he have so much time? Where do you get all this sand from? It's like they got it from their farm, and there's a an establishing shot that shows that. Yeah, and so 
Like I didn't even. I mean, I just I, it just made sense to me. It wasn't. It's not something I dive too too exactly. deep into. Exactly. It's some people can just be so goddamn Ill- analytical about certain things. It just really like pisses me off. And it's like for something like that. And then it's funny because I watch the cinema sins and the cinema wins of that. And it's like there. Are, um, one thing that cinema wins does is he likes to talk about certain things or certain plot points that people have with the movie and he points out why they're not plot holes because it's like you just got to pay attention to this this and this and so that's one thing that he really harps on is the is the sand and why you know it's not a plot hole because here it is but then there's a couple other things that they talk about and anyways just the way the story's set up now ballad of buster scruggs was mine that i was championing and like i said i gave you guys homework i'm like you guys have to at least see this so you know what i'm talking about um let me put it this way i for one i was like this came out at the perfect time perfect fucking time because red dead redemption also came out around the same time and so I'm like, everybody's in the Western mood, number one. It did kind of make I me want to go play Red Dead. Right? I mean, I don't want to because now there's a lot of economy issues. I was going to talk go- to you about that at some point. <laughs> I saw that and I was like, oh, Nick is going to love this. <laughs> I know, right? I'm like, I'm so giddy <laughs> because it's like when I'm right, I'm right. Anyways, um, so uh, it came out in the perfect time because it's like everybody's in the mood for a Western and not only that, but it's the Coen brothers. So they've already done true grit and they've already done no country for old men, which are both, you know, you know, Western movies, even if one is more of a modern Western either way. So it's done by the Coen brothers. And so uh, I have a friend, he loves red dead redemption and he just, (laughs) and so I'm like, okay, he would love this movie because he's so into the Western right now. He comes back to me the next day and he's like, yeah, I've watched this like three times. I cannot stop watching this fucking movie. And I'm like, well, you're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> like, I knew you would like it. Um, and especially like just everything about it is really good. Now, the one thing that actually caught me off guard because I don't I, I rewatched the trailer later, but the trailer doesn't really say, oh, six, six stories. And, you know, it doesn't it doesn't necessarily talk about how these are different stories or whatever, or at least if it does, even I didn't catch it even on my rewatch of the trailer. Cause I'm mm-hmm. like, did it say that it was six stories? Because I don't remember anything about it. And, um, at first, uh, because especially, uh, Frank, uh, Frank, Frank, <laughs> James Franco, um, especially James Franco's, um, story i was since it was show short and i'm like oh is that all this is it kind of almost and then i was kind of the same reaction where the third one was like oh oh damn you know like we could have an entire episode basically talking about everything i like about this movie um and you know we do need to keep going so all i'll say is that it is definitely a really good movie and i think that you could (laughs) definitely pick apart different parts of the movie but as a whole as a collection i think is when it really shines because if you if you reviewed each one you could definitely tear it apart and just be like oh i don't really like this but as a whole and as a collection of like western stories it's just so good and the fact that 
they can have something set in the olden times and it sounds like it's the olden times and it sounds like, you know, there's so many movies nowadays that come out and it's like, uh, they wouldn't have said that because of X, Y, Z. And so it's just so well done. And I believe it's timeless because even like the Liam Neeson one, for instance, it's a very good allegory to like YouTube content creators and just Hollywood in general. And so it's, it's timeless. And I think that's something that definitely needs to be said about it. So, I agree. um, yeah, definitely. Uh, drum drama of the year is the ballad of Buster Scruggs. I, I, I want to pick a hard, hard sell for a star is born, but because it's just the two of us and we're so high on Buster Scruggs that I'm going to, that's what I'm going to give it to. Yeah. A star is, a star is born needs love for sure though. I, I I will agree to that as far as what I've heard about it and everything, as far as the fact that it is Bradley Cooper's first directorial uh, debut as well. Everything I've heard about it is good. Um, but like I said before, I'm not super into the super depressing stuff. Yeah. And it just just from the trailer, like I don't know if it's <laughs> just from the way you're you're talking makes it sound like there's a tragedy or whatever. Um, but I putting that aside, just it looked like, oh my god, there's something's gonna happen. It's just gonna be sad. And I just don't feel even though it very di- it did look very uplifting at the same time, it's just just from the trailer the, I could tell. The uh, the, the, tra- the tragedy really is just is kind of watching someone's downfall. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, the oh, okay. fact that Bradley gotcha. Cooper is a, a drunk. He's a he's a drunk, and, and Lady Gaga, she's being picked up on this journey, but he's not changing his ways. And so that's oh, that, that's gotcha. the sad part. But okay, all right. So, um, next category is comedy. So, comedies. The nominees are Game Night, Sorry to Bother You, Cockblockers, uh, Crazy Rich Asians, and Deadpool Two. Now, Deadpool 2, I definitely, like, that was one where it's like, is it a comedy or is it an action? It's like, comedy. we kind of ended up going with comedy. Comedy. So. It's, it's um, a comedy. So, what would what would your vote be? This one's hard. This one's really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, my, the two that I'm between are going to be Game Night and Crazy Rich Asians. Okay, okay. Deadpool 2. I saw again recently on my flight home from Connecticut. Okay. And it was funny, but like, I feel like I love the first one more. Yeah. Okay. Cause I watched the first one again, like while I was going to sleep and I was like, Oh, this is great. This is really, really good. Um, crazy rich Asians is such a phenomenal movie. Crazy rich Asians is possibly a contender for my movie of the year. It is so good like i was like surprised at how good it was comedy wise it, it's it's funny her her friend in particular is super super funny um mm-hmm. some of the she says it's just like wow but like just the movie as a whole how it shot the story is one of those surprises that i was not expecting um but if we're gonna go straight on comedy i gotta give it to game night game mm-hmm. night was one of those hangover kind of moments for me where I was like, I did not expect it to be that funny. Yeah. Um, I, I agree to a certain extent with crazy rich. I'm not as high as you apparently. I wish I was high right now. I have to say that right now. (laughs) Um, I, I'm not as high on uh crazy. I liked it, but definitely not 
anywhere close to any of my game or game movies of the year. Definitely not. It was very good. I'm going to give you that. And I would even say it's my top three. Um, just because my top two would have to be sorry to bother you. And I'm going to have to agree with you as far as game night, Mm -hmm. sorry to bother you. I think what was so surprising about that one was the absurdity of it. Because one of the basic premises of it is uh, a black guy using white voice. And so having um, uh, Patton Oswalt be his white voice was just (laughs) so freaking hilarious. And then the other one is, I I can't remember his real name, but he plays Tobias in... um, ah, Why can't I think... What? You're not talking about Danny Glover, are you? No, no, I'm talking about there's another main guy, and he's played by the same guy who plays Tobias in Arrested Development. Oh, um, oh, God, he is he the one that plays Batman in the Lego movie? Oh, no, that's Will Arnett, no. I'm talking about the guy who plays, Tobias. uh, so the guy, Tobias is the one who he, like, he's the, oh, he's oh, the oh, David Cross, David one. Cross. There you go, David Cross, yeah, <coughs> so... That's that's, just, uh, that's Don. That's Danny Glover's like, voice, right? No, no, no. He's a different guy. Although I think Danny, they probably use him for Danny Glover as well because I don't know. But either either way, um, having Patton Oswalt and David Cross, like the two most whitest sounding people, and it was just so funny. But the entire thing also is just very. Um, it's it's just so interesting. I can't say too much because there's this twist near the end, and it is so just out of left field and so absurd that it's funny. But also, like the whole premise is that he works at a um, like a telemarketer place, and the funny one of the funny bits that they have is they literally put this guy in the same room as the people he's calling as like a metaphor. And so it's, it's really interesting, especially like there's these one couple like having sex and he's sitting there. Oh, sorry to bother you. Like, yeah. would you like to buy this? <laughs> yeah. The, the artistic nature of it is something that I, I don't think can be understated. Mm-hmm. And, and then just, yeah, the twist at the very end is definitely one thing that just like had me and my wife just like, what the f- is this movie in a good way? Um, and then just from a sheer comedy, like a good time is game night. So I'm going to have to agree with you as far as it was just a good time. It was a good comedy. Um, I feel like everybody else in their aunt was just pretty much like, oh, this is just, you know, mediocre. But it's like, you know, there's nothing wrong. It's just a good time. It's like I want to laugh. I want to. And I feel like the um, the story of it was also just like really interesting. So and it's also very artistic the way they do things too, like the whole like how they play around with like transitions with the game pieces and then like, you know, stuff like that is, is really cool too. Like it's very well put together from story dialogue and from the film aspect of it. Yeah, definitely. So comedy of the year for us is game night. All right. Our next category is animated slash family movies. And yes, CGI does count. Our nominees are Christopher Robin, teen Titans go to the movies. Incredibles Two, wreck it. Ralph, breaks the internet i'm gonna wreck it and honorable mention is spider-man because it doesn't come out until later this week as we're recording technically i think technically by the time this comes out it is going to be out but we're recording this 
you know, so that we can actually take yes. December off and everything. But so yeah, that's we the, could probably that's the irony of it. It's like, we're, we're saying it literally as I'm probably going to be going and seeing it. Yeah, we, <laughs> we'll probably agree though that Spider-Man probably would win this if we were actually able to see it. Yes, I 100% agree with that. It looks fucking phenomenal. I actually had a, real quick, I actually had a friend of mine, he's he's an older guy, doesn't really, he's not really into the same stuff I am, but a commercial for it came on, he was like, that looks super lame, and I was like, that actually looks really cool. Like, do you know what the story to this is? And I got real nerdy about it. He was just like, oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) It looks so good. I I can't believe Nicolas Cage is in it. Nicolas Cage is in it? He's Spider-Noir. Oh my god, is he? Yeah. Oh my god! I'm gonna have to like rewatch that 80 times now just so I can try to hear his voice yeah, because I've heard it, but like I just oh my god, that's funny. Yeah. All okay. right. So so what what are gonna be what's gonna be your picks for? for oh this? my god. Um, real quick because I don't want to spend too much time on it. Real quick, I have to say Christopher Robin, huge surprise. Um, I, this, we happen to see it at a dollar theater. So it's basically one of the theaters that they come out right before the DVD comes out. And so you can go on a Tuesday and you get it for a dollar. And I have to say that like, this was a really good movie. Um, not only was it like super deep as far as like the actual story and I would argue like it wasn't even really like a kid's story. It was an adult story that had talking this stuff. This movie is very much for me. Uh, uh, Winnie the Pooh and the entire gang have a, have a giant place in my heart. Like I grew, see the, the, I grew the up on Calvin itself, and Hobbes and Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, yeah. And see, the movie itself very much uh, acknowledges everything that happened in the past and makes like subtle references to it. And I'm just like, yes. I almost cried in the trailer when I saw that first trailer. <laughs> I was like, oh you my god. Baby. Also because I love Ewan McGregor and I was like, that's perfect casting. But I'm sitting here, he's like, poo. And I'm like, oh, I'm gonna cry. oh my God. I'm gonna- <laughs> oh my God. What are you doing here, poo? <laughs> oh my God. One of my favorite parts, and I think it's in the trailer, so it's not like I'm going to give it away. But one of my favorite parts is they're like, how did you get here? It's like, oh, well, this doorway appeared. And I think it was here because it was needed. And now it's not because it's not. And Ewan McGregor's just like, well, that's a silly explanation. He's like, oh, well, thank you. (laughs) I just, I was like one of the people, and I think it's because I had such an attachment to Pooh, but I was one of the people in the movie theater. There was, you know, it wasn't like packed by any means, but there was a lot of people there. And I was one of the people, I was just cracking up at the smallest thing. Like Tigger would say something. I would just bust up laughing. Um, so anyways, I just wanted to say that was probably one of the biggest surprises of the year. Not, not the top contender teen Titans go. I literally just rented from Redbox because my wife wasn't here and it was just me and my daughter. So I'm like, you know what? She's going to recognize like Superman. She's going to recognize Batman and she's just going to have a good time. And that one also huge freaking surprise as far as like, Oh, this is actually good. And speaking, speaking of Nicholas Cage, having him voice. Voice Superman That's was so the fucking biggest, biggest inside joke of all fucking time. It was so funny to hear him as Superman. And just as an adult, because obviously I don't think a lot of kids probably know this, but as an adult, there was supposed to be a uh, Tim Burton and Superman. He's seeing him with like balding, but also long hair. <laughs> so let, let me ask oh you, because my, my memory is a little bit faded. Is Teen Titans go to the movies the one where Batman keeps is like riding his his Batmobile and then it keeps getting yes. shot and then he rides Alfred? <laughs> yes. 
the- and then there's this oh there's this thing going around on um there's this thing going around on Facebook. It's a huge annoyance of mine because like there's this thing going around on Facebook and it's like who made this? And it's basically a parody of the opening of the Lion King where it's like and but and then instead of um Simba being held up, it's Robin. Uh-huh. And there's people on the internet. They're like, "Who made this?" I'm like, "That's from the fucking movie, you idiots." The the fact of how meta the creators of Teen Titans Go are mm-hmm. pisses me off because they know, and they're they're finally remedying it. They know that we want Teen Titans back, and they'll literally go, "Oh yeah, you want Teen Titans back? Oh hey, we're gonna talk about how you love Teen Titans, but we're not gonna bring it back." It's just the <laughs> fact of how meta they are is really fucking annoying, but it's also really funny. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> All right, so then my top two is what I'm building up to is obviously Incredibles 2 and Wreck-It Ralph are my top two. This is super hard for me. There are so many people who have been hating on Incredibles 2. And for that matter, I like I don't think a lot of people absolutely loved Wreck-It Ralph 2, but they liked it. And I have to say, it's really hard for me to choose between these two. I mean, where where's your head at as far as these two movies? How much it means to me my vote would have to be Incredibles 2. The only yeah. thing is I want to have a small conversation about Wreck-It Ralph because I'm really indifferent about it. I don't yeah. know if it's just because we saw it. I have to, I have to agree. I don't, I I don't totally know if it's... See, that's the thing. I don't know if it's because we saw it like at 11 o'clock at night and so we were really tired mm-hmm. or what. My favorite thing about Wreck-It Ralph was how meta it was. It is the most meta Disney movie ever. The Disney yeah. princess scene, I was f***ing losing it. Whenever yeah. they were all freaking out, and and Von Schweetz is like, do I need to call the cops? Are you guys okay? Like, yeah. Like, that was really funny. But and another thing that was really cool, it, you probably noticed this, but if you didn't, except for the ones that were from the 30s cartoons that passed away a long time ago, all those Disney princesses were the original Disney princesses. Right, of course. So I didn't know that until I was like, I was like wait, that sounds like uh, Ming a win. Uh, you know, Mulan. And I was like, okay, wait, everyone else sounds the same. But like, I don't, I think that Wreck-It Ralph one was a better movie. Yeah. But I think the fact of how much they doubled down on, on the internet and the internet's reaction to this movie shows a lot of creativity that makes me want to, I feel like they're on even playing fields for different reasons. Yeah. Um, I don't know for, I, I'm a little bit more, it, mm. You know, the more I talk about it, the more I feel like the clear winner for me is Incredibles 2. Because, like, the more I think about it, it was just, it was a good movie. It wasn't a great movie. Yeah. And it's because, I have to agree with you. This is going to this is gonna be so, uh, so um, backwards. But it's like, I completely agree with you in the fact that the Disney scene was the best scene. However, it was also the most out of place scene for me. And it's not because Wreck-It Ralph is Disney. Obviously, they're going to go visit Disney. But rather, like, it was the most out of place because it had no point in the movie. There was nothing about it being in the movie that it, like, it needed to be there. It was just there because Disney's a thing. Like, my example is going to be that for the whole movie... um, the whole thing, the whole movie is about um, Ralph and um, Princess Penelope Pajamalama. <laughs> yes, Princess Sweets. Um, it, 
the entire movie is about their relationship and obviously even the climax is just their their over dependence on each other or at least ralph's over dependence on the relationship itself um and so it's just everything was about them and then randomly in the middle of the movie because they needed her to go visit the princesses um she's just like hey can i go be a pop-up ad and so her departure from the main story, even though it led to something that was really cool, it's just a scene. That's all it is. It's just something that happens and it has absolutely no other than like she gets to have a song. Like I just wish they would have had I wish they would have felt had a more organic reason for her to go there because i felt like everything else that happened in the movie was very organic but then all of a sudden in the very middle we have this five to ten minute scene that just really serves no purpose other than other than it's this nice you know inside joke basically that's all it is is a 10 minute long inside joke so i think it fits in a different context in the context mm. of the movie itself is very meta on how it's handling things that that would make sense to me for them to show, oh, you know, she is in context to Disney princess as well. Um, and this kind of plays into <coughs> another thing of how meta and why I think it does fit, even though it seems out of place, is one of my favorite scenes from the trailer. My wife and I literally busting up laughing every time we saw it, which was the mobile game thing. She didn't, she, she fell asleep a couple times because she was, she was sick. And mm-hmm. so I woke her up at one point. She was like, did I miss that scene? I was like, no. And this was towards the end. I was like, wait, I haven't seen that scene yet. And so we waited until the mid credits section mm-hmm. and the little, the little girl goes, yeah, yeah, spoiler alert, obviously, but the little girl's like, oh, and the mom's like, what honey? And she was like, are you sad that you didn't see that thing that was in the trailer? And she was like, uh-huh. And she was like okay, well, why don't you just play your game? She's like, okay. And then that's when that happens. And it's like, it, it, it just <sighs> seems like that kind of, even though they don't like t- talking about the Disney princess, stuff, even though that doesn't fit into your typical context, I think the way that they did this movie does make it fit. So that's my only mm. thing about it. Um, but that's a Agreed very, that's a, that's a hill that I'm not going <laughs> to die on, but, <laughs> but yeah, I think that the clear winner is Incredibles too. It, it, it kind of goes back to, like anytime we see these movies, like I think Toy Story Four is going to be the one next year. Yeah, because like Pixar has been doing fantastic of like Monsters University. Hey, for this generation, my generation, for this generation of kids that saw this saw Monsters Inc. when they were kids, they're now going to college. We're going to give them a movie that is fitting to where they oh, are that's in their a good life. Point. I didn't think about it that way. Incredibles Two is kind of the same thing. Not not so much literally, but like this movie. Incredibles is my all-time favorite superhero movie of all time. Yes, of definitely. all time. And so for this one to come out this time, I was just like, "Oh, be still my heart." Like, and you know, so <laughs> for I for sure it's got to be Incredibles too. Yeah, yeah. Although I will say that there is this uh, video essay that came out about how Incredibles two basically was a retread of it, and it's like I agree with every single point this person makes. However. Still a freaking good movie. <laughs> there's a there's a uh, there was a meme that came out about how Incredibles two is connected to Monsters Inc. Oh really? Yeah, it was it was the scene whenever the power went out in Monsters Inc. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, here I'll read it. It's when the interview is like, "Well, a kid flew right over, flew right over me," and it's a scene from Incredibles when Jack Jack's jumping up and down. The next uh-huh. one's like, "And he blasted a car with his laser vision," and it's a scene where Jack Jack shooting the lasers at the raccoon. Yeah. And then the other guy's like, "I tried to run from it, pick me up with his mind powers, and shook me like a dog." And the, ah. the, the caption was, "In the Incredibles two, when Jack Jack phases into another dimension, he apparently goes to Monsters Inc." That's a good point. That's freaking hilarious. Um, so yeah Incredibles 2 Uh, next one is best sci-fi slash fantasy Uh, our nominees are Upgrade Ready Player One Annihilation and Kin you're such a f***ing asshole (laughs) god mm -mm. (laughs) those are the nominees let's talk about them (laughs) (laughs) quit (laughs) for people at home on our list it says solo but I mean that's obviously that's the thing that killed Star Wars. So why would I want that to be? Okay, well let me ask you: Is Solo a better? Is Solo or the Last Jedi a better movie? I don't know. I haven't seen it because I don't want to see it because I don't want to support Star Wars and their oversaturation of Star Wars films. Solo was a fun f-ing ride. Yeah, it was I'm... also a very unneeded ride. We'll talk about it later. Damn it! Go through. Your list. <laughs> So Wait, out, of the, go, out of the out of the, I'm leaving. So now that the baby's done crying, now you can continue. Um. So upgrade, Ready Player One, Annihilation, Ken, and there's also this other movie. We we'll, we'll just talk about it later. I don't I don't care. <laughs> I don't care anymore. Um, um. So out of out of those, what do you what do you think are your top two contenders? The two that I'm the most interested in are Ken and Upgrade. Okay. Um, I feel, I've seen both of them, so I can definitely... I feel like Ready Player One is an, is an easy shoe-in on the other side. I feel oh, no. Like, I would not agree, but I'll, I'll go on. For, for, the, for the category, Ready Player One feels like it fits into that and mm. into the sci-fi sense. Well, okay. no, no, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, part of me wants to give it to Upgrade because, you know, we couldn't get action and I, I think it probably deserves it. But the one I'm... <laughs> it couldn't get action. <laughs> the one that, that couldn't Such get action. Such a 12-year-old. <laughs> the... <laughs> um, but Ken is the one that I was the most interested in when I saw trailers for it because it's the one that came out of nowhere. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, um, I mean, my top, t- my top two are actually going to be uh, Annihilation and Upgrade. Ready Player One, the reason it needed to be nominated, not for this one, but also for action, is the fact that it is a good movie. And I mean, if you've read the mo- or if you've read the book, then you hate the movie automatically because there's so much that they changed about it. There's so much. I didn't personally read the book uh, and or listen to it. Um, so I just... I enjoyed it as a movie. And I feel like in today's age, there are so, so many examples, not only video game movies, but just movies that were comic books and or books beforehand. And now they're movies. There's so, so many instances where it's just like, of course, it's not the same as the book. Of course, this didn't happen. They are trying to make it a movie. They are trying to make it adhere to a more or a bigger audience so i don't like when when i hear complaints about oh this is nothing like the book it's like what what movie is there are there are plenty but 
But at the same time, there's just so many out there that it's like um, the biggest word that you can use in defense of most video game movies or um, book book her book movies or comic book movies is the word adaptation. This is the adaptation. It's taking the themes. It's taking the, you know, the overall construction of the movie and or, or game or book or whatever. And it's making it into a movie and it's trying to mainstream it. Okay. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know. Like, I just, I hate that argument. Oh, it's nothing like the book. It's like, I don't know. It's just never a good argument for me because I feel like in order to enjoy anything, you have to take away your previous assumptions of it to assume at all that anything is going to be exactly like X, Y, or Z is just at this point, how long it's been since we've actually gotten a good adaptation. It's just stop expecting anything like the book instead try to look at what's good about it as a movie by itself rather than oh this is a good i don't know anyway so that's what i'm gonna say right the only thing that i can relate to as far as that the book the oh it's nothing like the book the only experience that's very memorable for for me is um i grew up on the harry potter movies you know i'm yeah the generation that was kids went like i matched with the movies up until the later ones pretty much gotcha uh so Watched the first two, or first two or three, and then I was like, I'm going to go read the books. And so I started reading the books, and, you know, AR was the thing at my school, so I was reading those to get, like, points and stuff like that. <coughs> I really enjoyed them, though. So I was in the middle of reading Goblet of Fire when Goblet of Fire came out. <laughs> and I don't know if this is just because I'm fairly certain Goblet of Fire is everyone's least favorite Harry Potter movie. Hell yeah. So I, really, I was really enjoying the book, and I was probably in the middle of the book when I went to go see the movie. And within the first 10, 15, 20 minutes of the movie, the only thing that was the same from the book was the opening scene. And then after <laughs> that, nothing was nothing was the same, which was very dis- – like I didn't like because I really liked what was going on in the book. And yep. so that kind of f- f- like plagued my view on that movie. But then as I got older, I realized, oh, nobody really likes this movie. Yeah. I don't, my big thing, and I mean, this might not be a surprise to anybody who actually knows me. My big thing is I just don't read books, you know? And so like for anybody to use the argument that, oh, it's nothing like the book. It's like, okay, whatever. Like I don't read books. So I, it's just not a, it's not a good argument for that reason alone. Then for the other reason is just that, I don't know. I just, I feel like it's such a bad expectation to expect it to be anything like a book. I feel like when you go into it, be like, oh, this better be in there. This better be in there. It's just like, try to just enjoy a movie. You know, why Why does it have to be exactly like its source material? Let's even talk about like cartoons. It's like, here we have a cartoon and then now it's a live action or something. It's like, don't go into it expecting anything, you know, because you're just setting yourself up for, for disappointment. You know, I don't know. That's, I'm just, I'm done there. Um, upgrade and annihilation are my top contenders and annihilation. What makes it such a good, like sci-fi specifically movie is just how much like science they really like put into it. Obviously it's way out there. Um, but the, the science that they did put into it and just the interesting aspect, um, not only that, but making me believe that, um, Natalie Portman and just her, you know, 90 pound stick figure is 
believable as a um, army person, I thought was a really good job on their part. Um, but also just like the mystery behind it and the, you know, absolute um, just just really good story that they put into it. You know, it was a good story first and then it was also a good sci-fi movie. And so, I mean, that's like the, that's why it gets my, like, honestly, that I feel like that's my number one vote is, is Annihilation just because of how good it's put together. Upgrade gets a really big shout out for me because like I said before, is just how unique it is. It takes this concept. It takes this tried and true. It's been done a thousand million kajillion times um you know revenge story and it just puts a new spin on it and and any movie that can take such a such a basic concept but still make it so interesting because of what they do with it definitely deserves recognition and also i mean you know discount tom hardy he really needs more recognition for being anything but discount tom hardy <laughs> right so I mean, but yeah, I, I my number one is Annihilation, in in my opinion. Okay. So this one's a hard one because which one of these have you seen? Yeah, I'm I'm abstaining from this. <laughs> so this one's gonna be yours. You, 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 you say Annihilation. Annihilation. The only reason I didn't see Annihilation was because I was I was believing in the rumor of hey that's coming to Netflix in like two weeks, so I didn't go to the theater uh, to see it, and right. I just never saw it. Whenever is it out for free on digital? No, I don't think so. Okay, so we just haven't seen it yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't know. The only thing that I have negative against Solo uh, isn't necessarily that it wasn't nobody asked for it, which nobody did. Uh, isn't that they completely fucked up the mythology, which it did. Um, it's just the fact that from everybody that actually did like it, they just thought it was mediocre. They just thought it was like, oh, yeah, it was a nice ride. It wasn't anything um, It wasn't anything that really pushed an envelope, whereas Annihilation was just a really, really good movie and artistic and the cinematography and the meanings behind it. You know, there's like philosophical, you know, meanings behind it where you could go really deep into it, whereas Solo is like as deep as a puddle as wide as a you know ocean or whatever the saying is you know what i mean like it's like oh there's tons of stuff happening but the deepness of those stuff mean nothing because it actually in many ways like kind of contradicts a lot of things so yeah so i mean i'm not gonna like i I, you know i put that up there jokingly i'm not i'm not gonna vote for solo solo was definitely one of those that was better second time yeah (laughs) because your expectations were already set having to zero Well, so so, I'll I'll, I'll get into solo later, but yeah, solo, I mean, I would do either upgrade or annihilation because those are the two that I'm the most interested in on, that are on this list. Mm-hmm. So if you want to give it to annihilation, I'll I'll back you. I'll, you know, that's fine. We'll do annihilation. You'll back me. I'll Heck back yeah. you definitely. I mean, if you trust me on Scruggs, you gotta trust me on annihilation. Because... That is true. That's very valid. I mean, although I once again I do have to say, watch upgrade, watch upgrade, watch annihilation. And I think I think you'll agree with me with the uniqueness of Upgrade, but also just the deepness of Annihilation. And the deepness is, I think, what makes 
it above upgrade just because upgrade is just a really good time you know you'll have a lot of fun watching it but annihilation like you could go and you could like take a class on just all the philosophical like that they talk about in that movie so like like like, a, like an interstellar or like a inception yes yes exactly exactly okay that's fun. I would actually, I would put it right next to like Interstellar as far as like the deepness of it and like the meanings behind it and stuff. Yeah, I would definitely. So, okay. all right. So next category. Did you do? The, I I did the last one. So yeah, yeah you, 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 you turn. <clears throat> um. Next category is best actor or actress of the year. Period. Um, this is 2018, and um, we're going to use they or them pronouns. Um. <laughs> uh, okay, just to, just as a behind the scenes, uh, in parentheses next to it, I say make a joke about <laughs> we don't segregate, we and may, that's the joke he decided to go with. <laughs> we may edit that out. Uh, so if you're know. listening to that this, that was good. That was good because the, the whole the whole reason I personally wanted to put actor or actress is that like I want to talk about who was the best actor or actress who did the best performance rather than who's the best guy and who's the best girl. But not only that, but the other reason is because we're not an official award, you know, venue. We are just a couple of guys on the internet. So having every, you know, actor and actress have the main one and the supporting and the, you know, like having that just doesn't make sense because we're not an official site. We're just a couple of guys talking about the performances that we enjoyed. And so that was the main reason. But then also the, you know, the other thing. So <laughs> that, that was a good one. Thank you. So uh, I try. So our nominations, our nominees are main character, Bradley Cooper. John Krasinski, Lakeith, is it Lakeith or Lakeith? I think it's Lakeith. Lakeith or Lakeith, Steinfeld. <laughs> Lakeith, doth thou <laughs> know you wear your mother's drapes? <laughs> uh, <laughs> doth thou know you wear, <laughs> I can't do it. Um, and <laughs> Rami Malek, um, and though Bradley Cooper obviously a star is born, John Krasinski, yep. who's had a f-ing phenomenal year apparently. You've oh yeah, yeah, A Quiet yeah, yeah. Place, the Netflix movie Next Gen. Also his first Big series in a while, Jack Ryan on mm. Amazon. Jack Ryan. Uh, like it's Steinfeld, sorry to bother you. And then Remy Malik from Bohemian Rhapsody, who played Freddie Mercury. Um, we, Which, uh, Mark, who's Kate, why is Kate Blanchett here? What what movie are we putting her down for? You I, you put that, I don't know. Oh, no, I think that was Coach. So okay. we're going to get rid of that. I'm going to put um, the girl who played Domino from Deadpool 2, because I think... I really? really, really liked her performance. I thought it was pretty much what you would expect. She was, I mean, she was, she was one of my favorite parts of the movie. Yeah. Okay. Zazie Beats, I think is her name. Zazie. That is such, that that's is such fun a to say. Yeah. <laughs> Zazie Beats. Like, she should be on this name. list just because it's fun to say. <laughs> Deadpool 2. We're going to the post Deadpool. Uh, what's up, Tino? <laughs> Oh, is your show off, baby? Okay, and fix. Go, go watch your show, baby. Okay, daddy's almost done, and we'll paint. Oh God, yeah, we need to hurry. Okay, I, so want, go ahead. I want her to have time to paint. Yeah, uh, and go then ahead, for sweetie. for supporting act, actors or actresses, we have Zazie Beats. Such a fun name to say. She played Domino from Deadpool Two. 
Uh, and then we have the Quiet Place kids, uh, Millicent Simmons and Noah Jupe. Um, so right off the bat, I'm the one who put the Quiet Place kids, although I'm sure you agree. I agree. Um, but the main reason is just how believable they are. So just, wait, are, are we, are we go not going to put are we not going to put the the one kid that, that died on there? Hey, no. <laughs> that's not funny, but it's kind of funny. It's kind of funny. It's <laughs> funny. Anyways, no, but they're so believable. Um, and I feel like uh, Mel Millicent Millicent yeah. Simmons Simmons Millicent. That that's the girl. Um, what I like the most about her is the fact that she's actually deaf. And John Krasinski made sure that they actually chose somebody who's deaf so that they could give a really good performance. Um, I don't feel like it was necessary, although after her performance, I'm like, you know, the fact that she's also deaf in real life, I'm like, well, that's great. Like, I'm glad that they did that. And because, the fact that they did a lot of real things with the kids to help them with the mm-hmm. performance, like the the whole the whole scene with the lantern, that was real. They set that lantern on fire. Like they didn't st- the the act the the director like John staged that. The kids didn't know what was going to happen, so the oh, look yeah. on their face was actual genuine like terror because they're like, oh my god, they're going to hear us. And so the, their performance also has something to do with the you know the the John Krasinski's direct directorial of them but yeah they yes they they're they're one of the best parts of the show uh yeah definitely and like i said it's the believability and there's actually an interview out there where like the boy is talking noah he's talking about um how he was really worried about performing because 90 percent of this movie is not saying anything it's acting and it's like having the adults do that is one thing but having you know little kids basically i mean i don't know how old they are i don't want i can i can feel i can feel the performance anxiety as well man i understand yeah anyways um but having them act so good and it not coming off as forced or anything like that i feel like is saying something because it's like especially these two like what else have they been in not a lot of movies so like john krasinski he's at least established uh emily bunt she is established as an actor and actress and so them acting really good without having to use words it's like you know it's it's good but i i wouldn't say is as commendable as these two pretty much no names um, doing such a good job and so believable. And then especially because there was a death at the beginning, their reactions and how they felt to it, her guilt and his like his um, championing his sister, like, Hey, you need to tell her you love her because you know, she needs to hear it. And so just like, Oh my God, it's so, it's so raw. And, and the fact that the, all, all the actors and actresses, they just, they felt like an actual family. Right. And like the kid was rebellious and, but the, um, the Noah, he was trying to be like the man of the house or something, you know, just everything felt so believable. Well, it's, and yeah, so that's the reason they needed to be on the list. And, and it's, it's something I didn't know that Emily Blunt was John Krasinski's wife until this right? movie was coming out because in the interview, she was talking about reading the script and she was like, I, she was like, John, I need, like, I need to yep. play this, per, play this performance. And I was like, wait, and my wife was like, yeah, you didn't know they were married. I was like, no. Like, who that. does honestly you see john <laughs> and then you see emily blunt and you're like oh yeah they have not in a million years shout but out to like, emily what? shout out to emily blunt though being mary poppins that was that was that looks pretty cool. no one cares no one really i love cares. mary poppins shut up 
Okay, no. so um, it's just another live action that they're bringing, and it looks like exact retread of everything. So the reason why I There's have a cartoon is... sequence, she's probably gonna sing. About Dick Van Dyke sugar. is in it. Shut up. Shut up! <laughs> so the reason why I have Zazzy Beats on here is because me personally, I really loved her performance in Deadpool 2. Deadpool yeah. 2, unfortunately for me, is just kind of an okay film. Like, I I definitely think the first one is better. I think the first one plays more into the Deadpool-like nature because it was the first one. That's kind of the way I look at it. But yeah. her nonchalantness and then her just... Just playing the character she is, she's lucky. So she's like, I mean, I don't really have to put forth any effort. And so, like, her interactions are really funny. And then her action scenes are really good, too. Yeah. Like, I love the part whenever they're trying to break the kids out of the the place. And she was like, okay, I just need a bus. And the bus crashes through the wall. She was like, all right, let's go. And, like, just how her her performance is, I'm just going along with what's happening around me. Yeah, right. And that kind of brought some fresh air to it, I think. Yeah. Uh, so then uh, I think I, the main ones for me, um, I would have to say is John Krasinski and Lakeith Stanfield. Did you know that he was L in, in uh, Death Note? Yes. I didn't know that. I knew he was in uh, Atlanta because he's a phenomenal right. actor. He was also the right. guy in Get Out. I didn't know that either. Um, I See, that's the one I didn't know because it was just like his... Like, him without a beard. I never seen him without a beard. Yeah, right. So that's so. Mm, I really, 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 really have to give a like big shout out to Rami Malek for playing Freddie Mercury. It was just, it was just outstanding. I mean, it's yeah. it was so incredible to watch him have that performance and just to see. Now, the Bohemian Rhapsody as a movie, I thought was okay. It was not yeah. my favorite, and it's really starting to make me doubt Brian Singer as a director. It really, really is. Ooh. Shots fired. Um, well, because like it, it had no real center point to it. Like the beginning yeah. of the movie plays like a montage, um, and so that's every little... movie needs a montage. <laughs> montage. But his performance, you see his heartbreak. You see, and then you just look up compilations of people stitching together. Like, for example, that's the big one: the Live Aid performance and the performance in the movie. It's like, wow! Like this guy paid so much to, and he's getting so much praise. Like Robert Downey Jr. just made a post about how in love with his performance he was. Mm-hmm. It's one of those that it. I'm trying to think of of an of a antithesis. But it's it's one of those that it could be the performance of a generation, just like how true to form it was. Mm. Um, John Krasinski, I really really like. He hasn't done anything that's wowed me. A Quiet Place would be one, and then Jack Ryan, I still have to have to watch. But his, I I honestly I think I'm gonna have to agree with you. Just the, like, so in Atlanta, uh, like he's Steinfeld, his character plays kind of like an idiot, but it's an idiot savant. The the amount of like I think genius that goes on in that in that actor's mind I think is just unprecedented. I mean I feel like I want to put him on the same level as Jordan Peele, mm-hmm. just because I feel like their performances in the way they do their craft is just second to none. Yeah. Well, I mean, in John Krasinski's defense, like I feel like enough need or enough needs to be said. Said about his performance as like a dad Mm -hmm. you know and like as a dad like 
just everything in that movie once again going back to when i was talking about the kids everything in that movie was just so believable their family unit was just so believable you know and then going back to the fact that none of them talked i feel like it was just so good and one of the reasons i want to kind of champion john kaczynski is that in next gen we could have just gotten this silly john krasinski and it wouldn't have been that far off of what we would have expected from um like the guy who played in office you know but what i really liked about him in particular in that role is that he brought a humanity to this robot and it just felt really good yeah and next gen being a netflix movie also was just a really big surprise because it's like this is a pixar quality um movie but it's on netflix you know honestly we should have put it in best cg at least as a nomination because it was so good but from an actor's standpoint it's just i really liked his performance in that and i loved his performance in you, a quiet place you know who we left out who do we leave out josh brolin what about him thanos and Sicario. I wouldn't say he was a good actor in it, though. I mean, he was. It was believable that he wanted to kill everybody. But I mean, no, I mean, no. There's it, best way more villain of the year. That. If we were talking about best villain of the year, hell to the yeah, he would win with absolutely nobody even. Well, he was also you know, in that in that um, firefighter movie the, about the California fires. That. Oh God! Why didn't I think about that? Thank you for reminding me of that movie that you can't even think about. So. Shut up! Thanks. Shut up! Shut up! <laughs> hey, I love Josh Brolin, so I want to give him a shout out. Um, yeah, I, that one is hard um, because I love John Krasinski as well. I, I, as far as what's been done this year, John probably would get it. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, that's and Bradley Cooper. F- you, Bradley Cooper, for making me cry like a baby. Yeah, right. I always but, I mean like you were going somewhere with Lakeith and the fact that like sorry to bother you was just such it's an a, absurd it's a piece of film. Like it's not just oh, a movie, God. it's a piece of film. Yeah. Kind of, that's kind of how I, mean, I feel like, about Atlanta too. Atlanta is special. Atlanta is something special. Yeah, definitely. And I mean I just I love his performance in it because it's um it's it's definitely like the absurd nature of it and then therefore his reaction to a lot of things is like like i don't i don't want to sound bad but it's like instead of this just stereotypical like oh he's black so he needs to be loud and he needs to be this it was very believable as far as this is i don't want to say this because it sound it's gonna sound so bad but please know i'm coming from the right place it was a believable black portrayal it wasn't your token black guy you know which i would agree like one of his friends was kind of like the token black guy like what you would expect a, a token black guy to, to act like and then him being the main character he acted just like a person who happens to be black and so like i like when characters are written that way because a person's race shouldn't be the de facto reason why he is a good actor mm-hmm. it should be the fact that he played that character the best and I believe that the fact that he's black has nothing to do with whether or not he played that character good or yeah. whether that character hits himself was good. It's just, he played it really good. Yeah. It, it, that, that's, that's kind of the same reason why I like Atlanta so much. You know, he's, he's in it so I can kind of talk about it, but <coughs> Donald Glover, child, just can or whatever you want to call him. 
that's very much his performance in the show. You know, he, he wrote it and I don't think he directed it, but I know he wrote the show, but you know, his point of view is he's in this like, you know, not so great neighborhood. He's in Chicago. I think, I think it's Chicago. Um, but instead of it just, Wait, why is it called Atlanta? If it's, and you're right. Chicago. It's in Atlanta. It's Atlanta. I was thinking of, Chicago. <laughs> I was watching, I was watching something recently in Chicago. No, it's it. It's it. It's, <laughs> it's in Atlanta. But, um, his point of view is so interesting because like he's kind of he's kind of an avatar. I mean, he's way more than that, but as like a, like a white male He's a big like, blue guy? No, like a white male like <laughs> myself, he he's kind of like an avatar, not um not very much, but but for like a white male like myself like watching this, like not not having experienced the stuff that they've experienced in the show. It's very interesting to see cuz his point of view is kind of like like he's kind of not he's in the like he's it's it's hard to say he, he's involved but he's not like it's kind of one of those like wait okay. why are you acting like this like it's it's kind of a perspective on like mm-hmm. okay i'm in this community like i'm here but i'm not this i'm not this that's being portrayed gotcha. you know it's uh, that, that's what i'm trying to say i'm fucked i'm like, sick damn it it's just it's hard because we're single or we're not single we're, not single. we're, no, uh, we're, we're, we're straight white men straight, that, straight white that's men. why it's hard to talk about it because it's like we're just straight white men so our yeah. opinions what don't do we know our, our opinions don't matter no exactly we're not right. we're not in this you know yeah so that's why it's so hard to talk about and it's so like you want to give know. it to lakeith oh hell yeah i'll i'll do that I mean, John Krasinski, I mean, just for the amount of stuff he's done this year, I would love to give it to him. But as far as, like, we're obviously agreeing on Lakeith, so I feel like that's where it needs to go. Plus, it's not understated that he's just a really good actor in general, and him being put in such an absurd situation, especially the end. Like, you know, spoiler alert, I'm going to put it in here. Like, the ending. Like, you saw it, right? So Yeah. Yeah, the ending where it's, like, horse people. Like... Just the absurd nature of where that fucking movie goes is absolutely like just ah like so I don't know that's that's definitely like the biggest surprise I think of the year as well is just where that movie ended up going so anyway so all right Lakeith Stanfield is our best actor and or actress of the year so next category is most disappointing slash worst movie our nominees. Jurassic World, Fallen Kingdom, Oceans 8, Solo, Venom, and Grinch. So let's do what we've been doing, which is pretty much picking our top two. First off, I would like to say I did not put Solo here, but this is the only chance I'll get to talk about it, so I left it where it's at. For me, the one I'm going to pick is Venom, because Venom was the most complex for me. Jurassic World, I'll, I'll put simply... It was a by the books movie. Nothing special about it. Stuff stuff I didn't think <coughs> they did stuff that I actually didn't expect. Like they, how much they tried to humanize the dinosaurs, like especially in the world that we live in now. Like it was a very interesting perspective. Um, yeah. My favorite part about the movie was the ending, and it was just to see, oh, where are they going to go next? That was it. I yeah, I feel like that's like the. It's also its biggest detriment is that where it's gonna go is most interesting. What happened was just like okay, yeah, it was very. This didn't need to be here at all, in my opinion. Um, So for me, it's gonna be Venom. When when my wife and I went to go see Venom, we walked out of the movie theater. We were like, "That was good. We liked that. That was interesting." And um, I remember going into it. One of the biggest things that I saw ratings wise was. 
people saying it seems like Venom and Tom Hardy are the only two people that don't know this movie is an actual serious movie. And I was like, I was like, uh oh. But watching it, I was like, okay. Like I really liked their their back and forth. Well, actually, they're just they're because they're the same person because Tom Hardy voiced Venom as well. <laughs> but the more we were explaining it to people, the more we were talking about it, we were like, oh, that actually wasn't that good. <laughs> and so it was kind of like a, it was a delayed effect. But there were parts yeah. of Venom I I liked. Like I actually really did like Tom Hardy slash Venom's performance. Like one of my favorite scenes was whenever they finally decided, okay, we you know we need to work together. And he was like, we, and Venom's like, we gotta stop right. He's like, dude, you that you 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 haven't seen. Shit. You know he he like just comes up with shit. like he'll like blah 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 like knives or whatever. And then when they actually go to fight him, he like makes two giant cleavers and venom goes told you like just this just their interaction speaking to each other i thought was mm-hmm. really funny um the yeah. all the only thing that's interesting is the fact that how much money it made it made so much that i, I don't think spider-man's ever going to come to to marvel studios i think sony is going to keep it because venom made so much money yeah but that's mine i liked it but it's not like it's not a great movie yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's the thing. It's disappointing. It not necessarily has to be a bad movie to be on here, but it's just disappointing. Um, so I have to 100% agree with you with Jurassic World as far as it's like it was okay. But I feel like uh, Jurassic World has the the biggest problem is it is that it just undoes everything that happened in, in the first movie. You know, they were together. Well, not anymore. But then they end up together again. So it's like, why why split them up if they're just going to end up getting back together? You know, and just so many things. Just the whole mansion sequence, I actually really genuinely hate it. Because it's just like, all this is happening in this tiny mansion. Which I get it. It's a mansion. But it was also just so unbelievable because, like, the establishing shots of the mansion really didn't make it believable that it was this freaking big. Yeah, and it you was know, one of, it was one. Of, now, granted, to be fair, most of that stuff is was underground. You don't even get me started on that. Because, <laughs> but like, yeah, Jurassic World: Fallen Kingdom was definitely a human story. Like, it's it's not really a story about the dinosaurs at all. It's the greediness and the yeah. and the appetite of, of of humanity. And like, I I don't. Like I think my favorite part about it is the is the one scene that literally lasts throughout the movie, the f-ing Jeff Goldblum court scene that starts yeah. at the movie and ends at the movie at the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it makes no sense. Like I mean, it was cool to have, but you know, I thought he was going to have a bigger part in it. Yeah, uh, I don't know. The movie altogether was just it was just. It was just there. It just exists. You know, when people talk about moments versus scenes, this entire movie was just one moment after another after yep. another. Yep. It just, it didn't flow. And no. I mean, that's the worst thing that could happen in a movie is just, here's a set piece, here's a set piece, here's a set piece. It needs, it needs to make sense. It needs to, it needs to, every scene in a movie, which is why the Wreck-It Ralph um, Disney scene bothered me so much is that every scene in a movie needs to make sense in the movie but it also needs to lead to the next scene and when a scene's in there that has no bearing on what happens next it's just 
like one of the biggest things is they need blood for blue. So they go into the T-Rex's thing. That entire scene, I just feel like it didn't need to be there. Yes, they were saving blue, but it just also, it was just an excuse to have the T-Rex there. That's all it was. If we're going to talk about scenes, the most, in, in a movie I've seen in a very long time, the most conclusion to a setup from earlier in the movie, the whole thing about the fact that she's the kid's a clone. Yeah. 100%. Spoiler alert. (laughs) It doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Because A, they don't set it up well enough. B, it's super f***ing obvious. C, whenever they give the conclusion to, oh, you're actually this, this is me the whole time. I was like this. Like, I was just like, oh, was that that supposed to be a, a thing? Oh, yeah, right. Okay. She's a twin. She's not a real person. Oh, okay, cool. Like, and it's just like, it's, it has, it has a meaning in terms of the story because like she has a tie, she has a connection to the dinosaurs. Cause that's technically mm-hmm. what the dinosaurs are is they're clones of their originals. But right. like, I feel like it wasn't set up well enough. Mm-hmm. I feel like it had literally no meaning to it. Like I've never, like I, I typically I'm a, I'm cheap. I'm a cheap whore. Um, yeah. When someone like, tries to give me a big payoff which sounds so f***ing bad i've typically like i've typically like i'll take it i'll be like i'll okay, you'll take it all okay i'll get it but literally this one i was deadpan i was like like uh, that literally meant nothing like i okay, okay yeah, cool. yeah no i i 100 agree as far as <laughs> just, and it was just talking the about whole... taking money shots and just, 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 bam bam bam, shot. bam bam um and that like that completely describes the whole movie is just like it was just it just existed, you know, and there's just so many so many examples of just like movies nowadays that just exist. And I mean, that's the problem when you just over franchise something. And here's the thing, like, I don't know. Tell me if you agree. Did you did you like the first one, Jurassic World? Yeah, I was surprised. Yeah. And so I feel like, yeah, I feel like that's also what makes this such a disappointment is that I was one of the few because I I hate it when it happens. You watch a movie, then you go on. Maybe you don't even mean to, but you go on the Internet later and then somebody just offhandedly mentions, oh, yeah, Jurassic World sucks. I'm like, what? And so then I looked into it and it's like everyone and their mother just hated Jurassic World. And I'm like, oh, I thought it was a really good movie. Damn it. Like, I hate when that happens. So uh, I feel like we're agreeing on that. But let's talk about really fast. Uh, and I mean this really, really fast. Ocean's 8. What did you think about it? Oh, I didn't see it. You didn't see it? Well, I unfortunately did. And it was literally just a retread of, in a lot of ways, it was just a retread. But not only that. The fact that it was all women, like I don't okay. feel like they justified it enough. Okay, let me let me ask you before we go down this road, because you know people will probably get mad about this, and we're not saying that. Well, no, it's supposed the, to be really quick, so I'm trying to move on. Go no, on. What, what, the question is, what was more egregious, this or the Ghostbusters reboot? Oh, Ghostbusters, obviously. Okay, I just wanted to ask because those are both very similar in the sense of hey, we're. I mean, I would say maybe like I don't know, yeah, it, like if anything, this is because of ghostbusters they're like oh let's go ahead and try this or what i don't know it it, if they would have justified it and not only that but calling it oceans eight actually reveals the twist at the end yeah which uh i'll do another spoiler alert here spoiler alert Anne hathaway is part of the team at the very end Mm -hmm. but if you're good at counting (laughs) <laughs> right, right. if you're good at counting you can see there's only seven girls who's the eighth 
the Anne better, Hathaway. The better, the better movie probably would be Widows. Yeah, yeah, right. That's what I've heard. That's what I've heard. Yeah. Um, and so then Grinch. Oh my God. Yes, please. Like, I'm okay. So let let me just let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Let's sit back for a second. Okay. I'm a popcorn. Yep. Um. The Grinch, uh, from the very beginning, I did not want to see The Grinch. I absolutely, positively did not want to see The Grinch. Because just from the trailers, just from the trailers, I'm just like, this is just a rehash of the Jim Carrey version. And I went and saw it. For one, I saw it on a Tuesday, which even at my even at the more expensive ones, they have a Tuesday where it's a discount Tuesday. So it was only $5 rather than, you know, 12 <laughs> so <coughs> you got me coughing now you jerk um so it was five dollars so that was one that was the only reason we went and saw it and two is because both of my girls really wanted to go see it and funnily enough both of my girls prefer the jim carrey version <laughs> good so anyways it was so it was so bland everything about, it was just so uh um, the main thing that I really want to get out and I want to talk about is the fact that just the Grinch in general just didn't seem like a Grinch. It just seemed like a grumpy guy, you know. But then the main like thing that I absolutely hated about this version of the Grinch is that the Grinch's motivation for wanting to steal Christmas made no sense. Now, in the original cartoon, like the 1950s or whatever cartoon, it was pretty much just a retelling of the Grinch from the book. Oh. So, like, there was no motivation. There was no, it's just he hated Christmas, so he decided to steal it. That was it. Whereas this one, it tries to give a motivation, but it was pretty much he was an orphan. Everybody was happy at Christmas, and he wasn't. And so he decides to steal Christmas. Now, love it or hate it, Jim Carrey's version of The Grinch gives a really good reason for him hating Christmas. He didn't hate, like hate, Christmas. Hate, hate, loathe entirely. <laughs> um, he hated Christmas at, be at the beginning. And then as a kid, he tried to enjoy himself. And he got into the Christmas spirit only to be absolutely shattered and shunned by his fellow Hoovians. And so it really made sense why he hated Christmas. But that's not when he decided to steal Christmas. And the movie sets it up so perfectly because um, here is Cindy Lou Who, and I felt like her characterization was great as well. Here's Cindy Lou Who, and she goes and she she wants to include the Grinch because she wants to believe that there's something more to Christmas than the commercialization that it became because that's all everybody in Whoville cared about was the commercial commercialization of it. And I want gifts. I want gifts. I want gifts. That's what it was to everybody in Whoville. And she didn't believe that she wanted to believe that Christmas meant more. So she included the Grinch and she made him the holiday. Who be Woody? Holiday. Who be Woody? 
Exactly. So she made him the holiday hoobie wuddy. And so he came down and at first he fucking hated it, but then he got into it and he loved it and he was so happy to be there. And he was, he was a Hoovian. He was a part of the community again and he was so happy. And then boom, money shot. Here's the razor, the same razor that he got all that ridicule for him. And so that motivation for him to steal Christmas came from such a real place because he was traumatized as a kid so much so that he became a fucking hermit up in the you know the clouds (laughs) and so then for him to finally for him to put himself in such a vulnerable state that he put himself back into the who's that he separated himself from to only then be put right back to where he was before solidified his decision to steal christmas whereas grinch the animated minions one was pretty much, I was sad as a kid, so now I'm going to steal Christmas. There was no inciting incident that made him decide to do it. It was just, I'm going to do it. And so that clear, like, just because movie is why I fucking hated it. So this is my worry. <coughs> I'm very much worried about the domination illumination is is doing because... <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, no, no, right. Alliteration is great at it. Um <laughs> So the, like the, the Despicable Me movies I thought they were good I didn't see the third one But I feel like it was just kind of whatever But like the first two I was like this was good Saw Minions yeah. I'm like I don't like this movie Like this is this movie's not for me 100% Like maybe kids will But like I yeah, don't have definitely. any enjoyment out of this That's my problem though Is I feel like Illumination is starting to put out these cartoons And they're just starting to be like And maybe it's just one of those things that They're not you know for us But like Illumination seems like like from you telling me it's a very bland thing like it just just I can be like oh I can understand that the problem also is when you go to the Grinch is the Jim Carrey Grinch is iconic it's so iconic especially in the day and age that we live in where new memes pop up every day you know there's there's a flurry of them with the Grinch like the, the my favorite one is whenever he's trying to scare Cindy and the like the my favorite one was it's like when you're trying to entertain your entertain your baby, and this is what they see, and it's when he's going, ah, ah, and he's doing it like that. And like scenes from that are becoming more like memes because people are going back and rediscovering these things. But that movie right. is so iconic. Like I can quote any part of it. And it, so it, many it, quotable and see that's the thing. There's so much that's quotable about it. This new Grinch, I can honestly remember one line from it or at least like quotable line and he's like well that's disturbing and that's another thing v- uh, cumberbatch it it, it could have literally been anybody in that role the only reason his name was attached to it was because of his name that's it that's the only reason any i i could have done the voice and you would have you wouldn't have known that it wasn't ben- benedict cumberbatch whereas grinch jim fucking carry Nobody, nobody could have done the same job that he did, or at least they could, but it would have been an imitation of Jim Carrey. Yeah, so this makes me feel a little bit better. On Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 58% from the critics, 59% from the audience. Yay! The, The consensus is the Grinch gives the classic Zeus source material a brightly animated update that's solidly suitable for younger viewers without adding substantially, without adding substantially to the story's legacy. Yep. So I yep. think that's adequate. It's just there is pretty much what But that's. here's the thing. Like, we can make animated movies that are substance, that are good, and kids will still love them. We yes. don't need to. Like, Look the at perfect, Wally. 
the fucking Wally, the dude. The perfect antithesis of this is, guys, do you remember in the days of the 360 and the PS3, the shovelware, the shovelware shit? Yeah. These are what these movies are becoming. These movies are becoming double A, equivalent to double A games, and they're mm-hmm. just shovelware. They're just, you know, and, and sure, there's a place for that, Boss Baby, but even Boss Baby was funny. I liked Boss Baby. Right, right. Let's just like, and this makes me terrified for the Super Mario movie. I was super excited to hear oh they were making God, a Super Mario seriously. movie. Oh my God, seriously. But this, this alone makes me fucking terrified. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Did we just make Grinch the most disappointing? We were agreeing on Jurassic World, but now it's like. <laughs> I guess Grinch. Well, because I mean, I think you can kind of expect that because there's, there's a tendency with Jurassic, the Jurassic pro- property that. Some of it's good. A lot of it's bad. So I think Fallen Kingdom being a disappointment didn't surprise anybody. Oh, it surprised me. Like I said, I liked the first one. I know, but like it didn't surprise me. Like I, I it was entertaining. Okay, okay. But looking at it critically, I was like, I mean, it's it's whatever. Like, you know, I kind of expected that. But the Grinch, like that's a beloved property to a lot of people. Like my, my, my age and up, people who grew up with the Jim Carrey version. And so for it to that's just be yeah. okay, it kind of on your childhood it kind of does yep. yep 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 and i'm I, I'm, I'm not gonna go too in depth into it i don't think solo was a disappointment um solo was solo i agree with you it it, it lives in an age of um oversaturation but yeah, yeah. it does a lot of things that are good and it is honestly better second time viewing like it really really is it's kind of like oh that was a really right fun but ride. wouldn't you agree that it's disappointing that it could have been better not just not just for you but as a whole, as an anthology movie, it could have been as good as Rogue One, for instance. Well, see, here's the thing. Solo is the only Star Wars movie that doesn't feel like a Star Wars movie. It feels like a Ron Howard movie. Oh. Because it, it, it's in the Star Wars universe, but it's not. Like, mm-hmm. even, even, even Last Jedi feels like a Star Wars movie because it's in this deep, rich universe. Obviously, Solo, it, it's got different actors, so... It, on that end, it's different, but mm-hmm. it, it it's just a fun popcorn ride. It's yeah. better than Jurassic World. I'll tell you that it's way better than Jurassic World, and that's I know that's not saying a whole lot, but okay. So, Grinch is that our Grinch is, is the most our... disappointing? Yes. Yeah. Wow. I, I mean, honestly, I was totally okay with Jurassic World being the most disappointing, and I felt like we agreed on that. But I felt like I brought you to the dark side, and I'm like, Grinch, Grinch yeah, sucks you're, you're, ass. Your outpouring of it and kind of like was very encouraging. Yeah. Yeah. In a bad way. I, yeah, <laughs> a bad such way. A bad influence. <laughs> All right, so that is it. Let's do a real quick recap of everything. The best action of the year, according to TX3. Remember, this is all just our opinion. I am So if you don't like it, then get your own podcast. Oh, get them. <laughs> Anyways, um, so our best action of the year is Avengers Infinity War. Mm-hmm. Best drama of the year was The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Now, in all honesty, if you have not seen it, but you are super into Red Dead Redemption, seriously. Go see it. I mean, it's Netflix. If you're watching Netflix or you stole it from your mom, you might as well, right? The first one's super weird. The rest of them are really, really, really good. Yeah. Uh, Best comedy of the year was Game Night, but also super shout out to Sorry to Bother You. I mean, and Cockblockers. Cockblockers was pretty funny. Well, sure. Why why not? Um, I mean, over Cockblockers over Game Night, not really. So that's no, no, no. Yeah, that's true. 
Okay. But but animated slash family. Huge shout out to Spider Man. I'm I'm gonna say it right now. If I would have seen it by the time we made this move or this, I pro it probably would have won over incredible. I leaned over to my wife the other day. I was like, "Does this look good?" And she was like, "Hell yeah, I want to see this." And I was like, "Yes, I love you. You're the love of my life." <laughs> oh my god. So, uh, anyways, uh, Incredibles two was the best animated slash family. Uh, best sci fi fantasy was Annihilation. Another one where if you really like just sci-fi movies in general, you like uh, Odyssey 2001 or you like um, uh, Interstellar, things like that. I think you will definitely like in- uh, Annihilation. It's a really good movie. Uh, best actor or actress um, of the year was Lakeith Stanfield for Sorry to Bother You. Totally Support. stand by that decision. Supporting and the Quiet Place Kids. What? I guess supporting would be the Quiet Place Kids. Yeah, just super, super big shout out to the Quiet Place Kids. Um, well, I mean, we didn't have two, two things, dude. So right, it was well, overall, well, overall. But yes, whatever. super big shout out to them. Whatever. Uh, most disappointing movie of the year was Grinch, with a dishonorable mention to Jurassic World and Venom. Wham, 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 wham. So that is our movies of the year. Let us know what your favorite movie of the year what your favorite action let us know what would your decision be for the categories you can let us know down in the comments below or at tx3 productions on twitter or threat x3 productions on facebook so thank you so much for joining us on this uh movie of the gear threat x3 production i was your host nick and i was a very sick nate <laughs> and i'm dying you, you you stay stay classy san diego I also had to grab my also had to grab my beer comb. Yeah. Got out of the shower. This is oh this is some real a- ASMR right now. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> Scratch the beard. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Serious cheese. Next category.